episode 47 and joe it is draft week let's get it baby talking about one of the best weeks of the year uh we're very excited we're fortunate enough to get cole thompson who writes for fansided.com sports illustrated it's one of his busy uh busiest times of the year but he was kind enough to join us to talk the nfl draft that conversation is coming up next Pleased to be joined this week by a writer for Fansided and Sports Illustrated, Cole Thompson. And Cole, last time I saw you, we were at the student radio station at the University of Alabama, 90.7 the Capstone, some maybe five, six years ago. So it's great to see you again. Congrats on all the success. I know how much you love the draft and covering the NFL. So how's everything going? I know you're busy right now. You make me feel old, man. It was only five <laughs> years ago that I graduated from college, but yeah. I'm doing good. We did get our start 90.7 the cap zone. Since then, I have been roaming around. And as you mentioned it, the draft is my Super Bowl week. It's my Christmas. It's literally, I will do whatever my girlfriend and my family wants me to do during that day, as long as they let me just stay here. And for the first time ever, I actually will be able to be able to cover this live as part of sportsmap.com's radio production of the 2021 NFL Draft. If you want to listen to that, you can listen on sportsmapradio.com or you can follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson or at Jake Gassman or at SportsMap. We will be having a live broadcast throughout the show, throughout the greater few scenario, but also you can listen on live or through our StreamYard app. So I'm very excited. Love it. I finally get to do it. Well, definitely going to tune into that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Look, first thing we want to ask you about is really the big topic and that's what San Francisco is going to do at number three I was all prepared to ask you about Mac Jones because it seems like Vegas thinks that's who they're taking a lot of people says that's who Shanahan wants but the personnel department in San Francisco wants Trey Lance you sent your mock draft over to us and you like Trey Lance so do you think that it's because Lance is just the better player better prospect or you see him as a better fit opposed to Mac So it's kind of a mix of both, I would say. The biggest thing of all is that I've been on the Trey Lance hype train since well before the start of the season. He has been my QB2 since, I would say, December. And it hasn't just been because I don't like Justin Fields. Justin Fields is my QB3 and Zach Wilson is my QB4. So, I mean, it's not like I'm not on the Justin Fields hype train. But let's consider this. There's so much we know, at least of Mac Jones. There's so much we know of Justin Fields and of Zach Wilson. We still have no idea what Trey Lance's upside can be because he didn't play in 2020. So the last time we saw him basically outside of that central Arkansas game was when he was slinging it left and right as the starting quarterback of North Dakota state. They won the national title at the FCS level. He had 28 passing touchdowns, 42 total touchdowns, zero interceptions on the season So all the numbers and intangibles say he's the guy who, in my opinion, is the franchise quote guy. But the biggest thing of all is that you have Jimmy Garoppolo still on this roster and you can't really move off Jimmy Garoppolo and his contract until the end of the 2021 season. It's a lot easier and a lot movable in 2022. Kind of similar to what we saw with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. You also know that you need to sit Lance for at least one season. You don't need to sit Mac Jones for a season. If you sit Mac Jones for a season, you kind of are wasting a year of his rookie deal because I think that Mac Jones is the second most NFL-ready quarterback in this draft class. Uh, That's not a compliment. That's me saying that that's his ceiling, that's his floor. We know what it is. So you don't want to waste that time. But with a guy like Lance, 
you have that time. He's going to be 20 years old, 21 this upcoming year. He'll be 25 by the end of his rookie deal. You'll be able to see what the intangibles are, where he falls, where he, where he struggles, where he's really good at. And the biggest thing of all is you'll allow him to learn under Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, again, if Jimmy Garoppolo is someone who, you know, hits out of the park next year, it's a very similar Jordan Love situation with Green Bay. But the difference is, is that you still can move Jimmy Garoppolo probably for a high-end price and have Lance if he's doing really well. If not, okay, you still have another year where Jimmy Garoppolo, he becomes a free agent in two years. Boom, there you go. You get Lance. You now know he's been in Kyle Shanahan's system this long. It just doesn't make sense to me that you give up all this draft capital for Mac Jones, who, according to everyone I spoke to, would have been there at 12 unless you had to trade up. And then even if you traded up, you're probably only trading away one first-round pick, not three first-round picks to go get this guy. You're probably trading that second-round pick or that fourth-round pick to be able to move up two spots to go get him. You're going to get this big-time guy. Go ahead and let this guy learn for a year before starting him. And I believe that he could be the next Josh Allen. My comp for him is Josh Allen. I know it's kind of ridiculous to go with that Josh Allen hype, but at the same time, the biggest thing about Josh was when he was coming out, he threw a five-yard out route at 75 miles an hour. It's the exact same thing you see with Trey Lance. He's going to throw that out route at 75 miles an hour. He's going to throw that 55-yard deep bomb at 75 miles an hour. You need to get him in the office. You need to get some touch, some poise, a little bit more of tendencies that you want from a franchise quarterback. But upside alone, he is my QB2. He is my number five player on my big board. I love Trey Lance. I think that has to be the move if you're John Lynch and if you're Kyle Shanahan. And if you fail, guess what? At least you failed with a guy who has so much upside. You can't fail with Mac Jones. Everyone is going to criticize you for that. Absolutely. And sticking with the quarterbacks here, I'm a Jets fan like your boy Jake Asman. So we already know it's Zach Wilson. It's been that way. Um, I seem to be in agreement with you where I kind of have him in fields could go either way as far as who you put two, who you put three, or in your case, four. Uh, but with the way the Jets situation is, they can't take that flyer on Lance like the Niners can. So uh, in evaluating fields and Wilson, what made you kind of stack that the way it did? And do you think that fields really does fall as far as some people think or does he kind of have a safety net somewhere in the top 10 you know I think someone's gonna trade up I, I feel like a guy like New England is gonna trade up to go get him and if he's there at number nine for Denver Denver has to have that conversation are we in love a hundred percent locked in with Drew Locke are we strapping on the shoulder pads holding it tight and then going with Drew Locke if not fields has to be in the conversation but with Wilson you know, it's not that I don't like Zach Wilson. I, and everyone's always like, well, what, what, what's so, why are you so against Zach Wilson? I'm not against Zach Wilson. It's just, I like a few things better with a more polished quarterback in Justin Fields. Now, again, I may be a little harsh. Zach Wilson's like number 16 on my big board. And that maybe is a little rude, but at the same time, he's got a big arm. He's got an impressive arm. And he can maneuver outside the pocket, which is exactly what I think a guy like Mike LaFleur wants. But I'm not sold that that big arm is going to be the only thing that is going to make it successful. A lot of quarterback coaches still want your quarterback to stay inside the pocket. They don't want any chance of you maneuvering outside, playing on the run, and having an opportunity for an outside linebacker to take a cheap shot right as you're throwing it and getting snocked out for the rest of the game, getting concussion protocols, getting torn shoulders, you know, having broken collarbones because if you decide to roll outside the pocket and that's what Zach Wilson does. I also do say, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people get kind of annoyed about, but 
I think strength of schedule sometimes does matter a little bit. And if BYU would have had their, their initial schedule, what they were supposed to have this year, and Zach Wilson did what he did, no contest, QB2, like immediately QB2. But again, they were an independent school trying to put together a season in a COVID-19 year where all these other schools were saying, we only want to play in-conference games. So you had to go with what you know. And his best game was against Coastal Carolina – and that came down to the wire. I, I mean, that's what we're talking about with a guy like Zach Wilson. Now, the throws are there. The intangibles are there. I think the footwork is pretty good. And, and the biggest thing of all between the two is you can very much say neck and neck, if I had to go, what's the one deciding trait? Is I personally like that Justin Fields stays in the pocket a little bit longer than Zach Wilson. But I still think Justin Fields builds too fast and that would that's my biggest knock on him between Trey Lance is that he bails an eighth of a second too soon when a play opens downfield and that allows you to be kind of a little bit more more open now the whole going past that first read thing that's that's a joke anybody who says okay uh Justin Fields can't get past his first read stop it his first <laughs> read's always open there is a giant difference between the two but you could argue that because of that that's why I have Fields a little bit higher than Wilson but arm strength alone Wilson's got it and the biggest thing is that Mike LaFleur worked in San Francisco's offense. He worked as the pass game coordinator for the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. He's a disciple of it. I think he can work with Zach Wilson because everyone said that Kyle Shanahan could work with Zach Wilson. So there's really not that big of a difference. The problem is, is that I think the roster at hand in San Francisco is a little bit better right now than the one that New York has. And I think if New York fans, here's the biggest thing, New York fans, calm the heck down. You need to realize this is a two-year deal before you start bailing off the Zach Wilson hype train. Give it two years, because it's going to take two years to really build this roster in the image that I think Robert Sala wants. But they got the coach right. They got the GM right. I think if they can keep the OC, Mike, McD uh, Mike LaFleur, for at least two years, they will get the QB right, and they will be in a good spot. I agree with you 100% on that, again, as a Jets fan. Um, real quick before we jump to the receivers, thinking back to Josh Allen because you mentioned him, thinking about Trey Lance, thinking about Zach Wilson, we're seeing more guys who don't have that level of competition, uh, who don't have that strength of schedule. For Lance, heck, he didn't even play like you mentioned this past year. How is that starting to kind of throw a wrench into typical QB evaluations with more of these guys who – have the traits, have what you're looking for in today's NFL quarterback, but don't play a traditional power five schedule. You know, I think it's, it's a little bit of, a, of kind of funny when you think about it, because here's why the number one pick is going to be Trevor Lawrence. And I think that when you start noticing that level of competition, that number one pick still is that level of competition guy. And you go back to Kyler Murray in Oklahoma and Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. And uh, you go back to even Jared Goff at Cal. I, I mean, they played at that level, but there was also guys in the building that you could possibly say with each one of these realms, we could go ahead and land our guys. So think about this. When you break it down, AJ McCarron was in Buffalo. They signed him for a one-year deal to be the guy in Buffalo for one year and then just go get Josh Allen. And then they trade him away, but that was supposed to be the plan. You look at outside of the Jets, I would say, with San Francisco, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that Trey Lance makes a lot of sense. You look at, uh, you know, even Cleveland, they had Tyrod Taylor there. So, so they had a guy who they think is a bridge guy, someone who can be the guy for a season 
while you develop this young talent. Because the biggest thing of all is that you see all these intangibles, these throws, these plays, the footwork, the vision, the accuracy, and you put them in an NFL offense with NFL style caliber players and they learn from a veteran for a season. I think that that's really the biggest thing mm-hmm. is that when you play lesser competition and you make these acrobatic, you know, enamoring throws that we see all the time, it allows you to say, we can give a year to try and figure them out. Let's see what they have and have a bridge guy kind of sitting, waiting in the wings, you know, for us just to have it for a season. And then once they're ready to start, once we can see that they are doing it in practice, we're going to bring them in and they're going to start. And you start to see that it works. I, I mean, like, no offense, Tua Tagovailoa maybe is going to work. And, and I hope he does because of, you know, Alabama alum. But still, I think he's a good overall guy. And I think that he's in a really good system with a really good coach in Brian Flores and what that offense is going to do. But you look at J- uh, Justin Herbert, everyone overthought Justin Herbert. They're like, oh, well, you know, you know, he didn't come out in, the, in 2018. So, I mean, 2019. So he must have bad footwork or he must have a bad arm or he must have, you know, poor accuracy. And all he did was reset a dang record for passing touchdowns for a rookie quarterback. So People overthink it all the time. You know, I, I think that there's always just kind of that middle gap of if we have a bridge guy, let's go ahead and get one of these riskier players that we think has more upside than ever before. But yeah, I, I think you're kind of mentioning it. It's these risque throws and these risque players, but they're starting to really hit. And I think it's also because of they're not facing that same level of NFL competition. So here's the biggest thing of all they're coming in a little bit healthier as well. They're not yeah. taking as many hits as these quarterbacks that we're seeing in the SEC, as these quarterbacks in the ACC, these quarterbacks in the Pac-12, where all of these edge rushers and linebackers and safeties are great point. outside linebackers. I mean, they're getting whacked left and right, and these guys are, hey, I'm literally the best player in my conference, and I'm maybe in the best player in my division, so why don't you just bring me in? I can stay upright. I think that does play a factor into it as well. Very good point. Um, all right, good quarterback talk. Over to the receivers now. We know the big three is Smith, Waddle, and Chase. Who is your favorite of those three? And then after those three guys, there's a drop-off. So of that next tier, who's your favorite wide out after those three? So in my order, it goes number three on my big board. Thompson's top talent is Jamar Chase. Number four right after him is uh, Jalen Waddle. And number seven, Savanta Smith. Of my favorite, it's Waddle because I think Waddle can do a little bit of everything you want. And he's not a gadget player. By the way, I'm going to say this on your podcast. I've said this on a lot of different podcasts, but I'm going to say it on yours as well. Stop comparing every fast receiver to <laughs> Tyreek Hill. Not Tyreek Hill. Oh my God, he's not Tyreek Hill. He's not. What I think he is, is he's Tyreek Hill body, but A.J. Brown ability. He's a guy who does really well at route running. He's fabulous after the catch. He can make an impact on the inside. If you want to play him on the outside, you can. I mean, he's five foot nine, but again, AJ Brown's six foot and he only plays that Z receiver on the outside. So you can argue that he could play on the outside just as well as he can on the inside, but he can do things in a multitude of ways that I don't think enough people can say. Uh, I was on a podcast last night talking about this and I truly believe, and I believe this is last year of the four receivers of the Bama apocalypse is what I call them. The, the four horsemen of the Bama apocalypse Jalen Waddle is the death horseman. He is the one who comes for the kill. He is the top one. I liked him better than Jerry Judy. I liked him better than Henry Ruggs. And I think because of just how much teams were double covering him this past season when he played, it opened up the game for Devonta Smith. 
who ended up being the first Heisman Trophy winner as a wide receiver since 1991 when Desmond Howard did it. That does not mean I don't think that, you know, Devonta Smith is a bad receiver. In fact, I think he's a very talented receiver, probably the cleanest route runner, the best at contested catches of the three. And I think he has a lot of upside, but I want to use a chess piece. I want to use a guy who I can use in a multitude of ways. I think Jamar Chase can do it. My player comp for him is Amari Cooper. I think that you could say Devonta Smith could be that guy. My player comp for him is, is uh, uh, Marvin Harrison back from the Indianapolis Colts. I know that Jalen Waddle can do that. And I think that that's why I would probably say he's my favorite of them. Of my next tier on my list is Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota, but he's not my favorite. My favorite, actually, we got to go all the way down. I think he's at 28 or 29. Yeah, he's 28. He just missed my first round grade. It's Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when Elijah Moore hits the NFL. To me, he reminds me of a lot of a young Antonio Brown, a guy who can win in the red zone, a guy who's got great speed, a guy you can play inside and out. He's probably better in the slot, but my goodness, the last three games of the season in the SEC, you can make a valid argument that he was the best wide receiver, not named Devonta Smith. He averaged 13 catches for over 200 yards and a touchdown every single game, those final three games of the year. He is a better route runner than Kadarius Toney. He has better hands than Kadarius Toney. He was, I think, the number two receiver in the SEC outside Devonta Smith in contested catches, and he does a great job in winning, not just on that short slant route that everyone talks about being a third down receiver in the slot. He does a good job at comeback routes, at sluggo routes, at deep corner routes. He can do a lot in that slot position. Again, he's a slot receiver, but he can do a lot. Elijah Moore is a name that I think is going to really hit. And I think it seemed like the New Orleans Saints, the Green Bay Packers, late first round. If you want to go ahead and get yourself a receiver, this is the guy you go get. And this is great because the way we do our pod here, we start with the interview with you, and then we'll stitch it together afterwards with my segment and PJ's segment. Uh, and we're going to debate the receivers, and I'm all in on Waddle. And then for the quarterbacks, I'm all in on Trey Lance. So you've given me great ammo for later on, uh, and that you're on my side instead of PJ's side. So I love that. <laughs> I, I like, love yeah, that. I like Smith better. Look, Waddle's great. And I was telling Joe before you came on, I said Waddle was supposed to be the Heisman guy at Bama last yeah, year. He was. Of, of people thought, and before he got hurt, he easily could have been. They're, they're the three of them are just, they're so good. And, like, that's uh, the thing that I don't think enough people are talking about. They're, like, we always kind of sit here and do this dang argument. Who's the best? Who's the best? Why can't all just be They're all going to be great. They're all, all good. three of them are going to be great. Just be good. I mean, I yeah. still, like, that's the thing. I still think Henry Ruggs and J- Jerry Judy are going to be good receivers in the NFL. I just think that if I have to pick one all pro, it's Waddle. I mean, yeah. that's just it. It's just that compliment. Fair enough. Um, look, if there's a team... Uh, that you're eyeing in the draft that really fascinates you of what they're going to do in the first round. Who's that team? I'm going to go with three really fast. I go with one kind of in each area. I think Detroit is the biggest team at number seven. That is from everyone that I've spoken to. That is trade up central. That is more so than the Falcons at four. You think? No, I think, I think the Falcons say, I think that their asking price is way too high. Do you think they go pits or quarterback? Yeah. I think Pitts. I, I like. Okay. I don't know where you can justifiably take a quarterback when you can't start him for two years behind Matt Ryan. Because here's the thing: if you, if you take a quarterback at four, you lose no matter what. Because if either you're not starting him for two years, 
or you're going to owe Matt Ryan a ton of money to play elsewhere in 2022. So you lose either way. So trade up central to me is number seven for the Detroit Lions. They want to move back. They are a roster that is, in my opinion, and I live in Houston. Like, I live in Texan Central. They're the worst roster in the NFL, in my opinion. They don't have any weapons. They don't have a lot of good talent on the linebacker position. They do have two good offensive linemen in Frank Ragnow. I think that Jonah, John, Jonah Jackson is going to be pretty good. And Taylor Decker is really good as a, as a, I would say, top 10, but like number 10 left tackle in the NFL. So they can move back. I think they either want to go get a wide receiver or they want to go get a linebacker like a Micah Parsons. You can't get that seven. You can get that probably at 15 where a team like the uh, New England Patriots are picking and that they can go up and get a quarterback like Justin Fields as I have in my mock. I think in the team range, the Chicago Bears are going to be a really interesting team because of, say Justin Fields does fall. Let's just say he's out of the top 10. Say somebody trades up, New England trades up, and they go ahead and they go get uh, you know Trey Lance or they go get uh, Mac Jones at pick number seven. And then Denver takes an offensive lineman or they take a linebacker. Like 12-13 range, Justin Fields is not going to be there in a little bit. Somebody's going to trade up. If you are the uh, Bears, I get trading up for a quarterback is really, really bad because you've already done it and you miss really hard. Yeah. Mitch Trubisky and you give up all that metal too. But Justin Fields is not Mitch Trubisky. And he's a kid who has played in cold weather. And he's a kid who understands what it means to play in the Midwest region. And he's a kid who I think has all the intangibles. I think Mac Jones could do it too, but I do think that there are enough teams in that 13 to like 20 range willing to move back for the right price. And Chicago needs a quarterback. If you go get Mac Jones, if Matt Nagy doesn't work with him, you will find an offense coordinator that works with them. A, a Eric Bieniemy, a Mike, and Michael Fleur, uh, Mike McDaniel for San Francisco, all could be guys I think that could really get an opportunity or you bring in somebody to really work with him. And then I think in the back end round, Buffalo is going to be a really interesting team because Buffalo doesn't have a lot of needs. Buffalo has one and it's pass rush. And if there's not a pass rusher that's available at that number 30 pick, I think there's a lot of teams that be willing to give up enough price to move back in for a Rashad Bateman, a uh, Elijah Moore, a Jason Oway from uh, Penn State, maybe even a Trayvon Merrick, uh, you know, a, a team like Dallas who really wants to create their own Legion of Boom with Dan Quinn now down there. They could probably move back up and get a Trayvon Merrick and the trade partner being a Buffalo Bills. They're a really interesting team because if, if a pass rusher is not there and you know, I couldn't find a trade partner for them when I was doing my mock draft earlier. So I gave him Jason Oway. Maybe it will work. Maybe it won't. But that's the position of need. If all of them are gone and you don't want to reach, go ahead and get as many picks as possible. Brandon Bean is a really smart GM. Between him and Chris Ballard, I've argued back and forth with people. They're the two smartest GMs. They're the two. They're my two favorite GMs. Baltimore's another one. They did a great job moving Orlando Brown to get those extra picks, even though they had to give up a second. I don't know why they did, but they did. Anyways, I still think that Buffalo is that interesting team because I think they can move up to solidify their defense with one more pass rusher that they keep on a five-year deal, or they move out, get a ton of picks, probably get a pass rusher with their first pick, which would probably be somewhere like 37 to, I don't know, 45, and then be able to go get another guy in the second round. So they're a really interesting team. So Detroit, Chicago, and Buffalo are the three teams I'm watching. Is there a specific player team fit that you just 
hope happens. Oh, yeah, this is, oh, this is so easy. Jeremiah Wusukoromora with the Washington football team. Hands there down. You go. Not even a question. This is one. I called this back in February. He didn't hesitate. Not at all. No, not even hesitate. <laughs> I didn't even get the question out yet. <laughs> no, not even hesitate. I, like, like they, hands down, he's at the podium. Freaking run, sprint, gallop, trot, uh, be skipping for joy. They love playing a three safety set, but they also need a cover linebacker. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora to me is the number one linebacker in this class because of you're starting to see these hybrid defenders really become so essential. We talk about how you have to play the unicorns, like the Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. How do you guard him? Well, you get a guy like Jeremy Chin. You get a guy like Isaiah Simmons. You get a guy like Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora to cover them to where you don't need to take out a safety, move them down, and it opens up the rest of the field. It allows you to stay in the situation. Jack Del Rio likes to run a lot of big nickel formations that is the big nickel. The other thing is that Notre Dame was one of the few teams this year that ran nickel less than 75% of the time. They didn't have to worry about that because if you had the cover skills of Urusu Koromora that was able to play against the run. So you didn't have to really worry about taking one of your linebackers out to cover the run. And he always played the field side. So what people who don't know what the field side means... When we talk about boundary, we talk about closest to the sideline. When we talk about field, we're talking about open field space. He was the open field space linebacker, and he thrived at that position. Washington, to me, can win with Ryan Fitzpatrick. They can win if they go get a left tackle in the future. The good news is there's a lot of good left tackles in this upcoming class to where you don't need to reach, especially for a guy who I think like Elijah Vera Tucker. I'm very high on him but he's a guard. You just traded for Eric Flowers. You don't need a guard. If Arusa Koromora is there, I mean, that to me is a perfect slam play. dunk. That to me is a slam dunk. That to me, like, like I won't need to cover the rest of the draft. I'll just say when you know the show's over, who's the biggest winner? Jeremiah Arusa Koromora in the Washington football team. A plus. Like, yeah, like that'd be their draft grade. 100% give them A plus. Uh, Martin Mayhew's a smart GM. Ron Rivera is a really good head coach. He's a great players coach. But the biggest thing of all, I don't think enough people understand how much Ron Rivera has worked well with linebackers. We go to Thomas Davis. We go to Luke Keekley, We go to Shaq Thompson. What he did in Carolina with the linebackers, they were one of the best linebacking bunches for, I would say, at least five to seven years. And they can do that again if you go ahead and get Jeremiah Rusukoromora at 19. Interesting. Uh, we got two segments that we do with all our guests, a rapid fire segment and a trivia question. Before we get into that, though, we wanted to ask you one question about the Texans. You live in the area. You know the team so well. Two-part question. One, with all the legal issues surrounding Deshaun Watson right now, do you see the Texans targeting a quarterback, maybe getting a guy like Sam Ellinger at Texas, Kellen Mond at Texas A&M, a couple guys around that area, and has the ship kind of sailed at this point of trading Watson, or do you still think there could be value for him? So I, I can't answer the second one just because of it is a very difficult question to answer. And yeah. the way, and, and unfortunately, you, you know, and, and I'll just be completely honest, you guys, I, I know the reporter very well who lost his job because of how he answered this question. And it, it's a very difficult question to answer. Valid. But in, in, my opinion, <laughs> you, in my opinion, quarterback was always going to be a need for the Houston Texans as a backup right. person because of, Going into the season, he was the only quarterback on the roster. They did not have a backup quarterback. So technically, if you believe that Ryan Finley can get the job done as a backup, if anything happens to Tyrod Taylor, I mean, go for it. If you don't, you still need to target a quarterback. 
I, I, there's just so many needs. You can't target Kellen Mond early. You can't target Davis Mills. You can't go get Kyle Trask at 67. You need to go get a wide receiver. You need to go get a number one corner. You need to address the pass rush. You need to address the interior offensive line. There's a lot of other needs you have to get to even safety's one, but like an Ian book in round six or seven from Notre Dame, proven winner guy who has all the records at Notre Dame, someone who I think can really learn under Pep Hamilton, maybe be a steal. Uh, you know, I'm a lot higher on book than other people, uh, but I do think that Ian book is at least a developmental backup who could probably have a career in the NFL for, you know, eight, 10 years, just holding a clipboard and coming in when need be. I think that's the way you go. If you're going to go draft a quarterback. And on that note, I mean, of course you alluded to it earlier that, you're in Texas Central, you know their roster, and the Lions are still worse than that. So yeah. you were getting at the fact that the Texans don't have a good roster anyway. So you probably can't touch quarterback until you see everything play out legally with Deshaun Watson and then go from there. But you got to just fix the rest of the team first. So it's, so it's, in, it's a very uh, tough position for the Texans right now that I'm glad I am not having to make the decisions for them. It definitely is one that you have to keep watching. Uh, Swift seven, as PJ mentioned, the rapid fire segment that we do, um, I'll go with four, he'll go with three and then he'll take you into the trivia question. So number one guy who may go in round one, that doesn't really deserve it at all. Uh, Christian Barmore. Listen, I like Christian Barmore a lot. I think he's actually a very talented player, but I think that you sometimes scout the helmet and you're scouting Alabama more than anything else. This is a very weak defensive line class overall. I think Barmore is the only defensive lineman who's a first round player. I think his range could be anywhere between 15 to 26 with the Cleveland Browns. I probably would feel more comfortable taking him in the second round, but because of that depth behind him is so terrible. He's going to be a first rounder. Number two draft night. Are you scrolling through Twitter to know the picks as soon as you could possibly see them? Or are you waiting until the commission announces it? So I kind of only have the to... first round, only the first <laughs> round, because after day one, the, the podium is like five picks behind and you got to scroll on Twitter. I, I kind of do both. You know, I don't really care if I find it beforehand. Great. If I don't, I don't, um, you know, this is going to be the first year that I'm on live air for the whole four and a half, five hours. So it's going to be really interesting for me how I go about it. Uh, but I've done both and I've never had a problem with either. Yeah, after round one, you got to start looking because yeah. it'll be round four, and the ticker says pick like one thirty-seven, but on Twitter it's up to pick like one fifty-eight already. It's like ridiculous, yeah, but it, uh, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Number three, who is your favorite NFL legend that has gotten to announce a pick since they've started doing that after round one? Pat McAfee, hands down, the easiest, <laughs> best one. There's not even a close second. Um, so true. I will say the one that does come pretty close. I forget his name right now, but it's the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles kicker doing it and announcing it in Dallas with a player named Dallas Goddard. I thought that was hilarious too. That one was good too. That one, that one was very good. Number four, uh, draft day with Kevin Costner. Do you appreciate the movie or not like it because it's very unrealistic with the trades? Well, who really cares if somebody came to someone's birthday party? Let's be real. <laughs> we, nobody came to his birthday party, but apparently he's a bad guy. So we got to go ahead. It's, it's not, it's not at all what happens on draft day. I talked, just, I talked about it's not at all what happens. Uh, number five, the most underrated player in the draft is? I'm going to go with Greg Newsome out of uh, Northwestern. That's a Jets honest. pick right there. What? That's a Jets pick right there. That is a Jets pick. I haven't <laughs> gone to the Jets. Uh, and I actually say in my mock draft, uh, you, Jake Aspen, Jets Nation, and everyone else thank me later. Let's this go. I will allow 12 passes 
in coverage this past season in the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten talent is not as good, but oh my goodness, if you can watch his footwork, if you can watch his frame, if you can watch the way that he plays, I have him as my number, I think, 15 player. And I think I'm the only person who has him in the top 15. I absolutely love his film. I think that he is right there in that conversation with Sertan, Horn, and I think he's better than Caleb Farley. His ball skills, he probably had the pick of the year against Ohio State in the Big Ten uh, title he, game, that one that, that was one. He unfortunately got he got injured, and that was the, like that's the biggest thing. He's been injured so much throughout his time. I think that makes him fall. Any other conversation, we'd be talking about him right there as possibly a top-ten pick. Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, who you got? Najee Harris. I'm not even going to spend that much time. <laughs> but the reality of it. Everything I've seen from Najee, Najee Harris is just pure speed. It's great home run threat. Same thing as, you know, ETN. The other thing that I really like, Steve Sarkeesian used him so much in the passing game. Yeah. He had 11 receiving touchdowns in the last two years. I don't know if, and again, you know, Pittsburgh, I think is the one team that needs a running back and is justifiably able to take a running back in the first round. Everyone's saying it's Najee Harris right there at 24. I think it's a really good fit. I think what Pittsburgh wants to do, and especially with Ben Roethlisberger throwing for a career worst 6.3 yards per throw, it's an absolute gem for them. Najee Harris all the way. They're getting their Le'Veon back is the way I see it. They that's, take that, that's the best way I can say. I think he's a lot like Steven Jackson coming out of Los Angeles. Uh, mm. Plays a lot similar to him. Uh, and the last question of the Swift Seven: Better pro career, Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Okay, so um, that's tough. I'm going to go just based off of my mock alone. I think whoever, and this is this is whoever lands with Kyle Shanahan has the better career. So because of I have Trey Lance landing with Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to go Trey Lance has the better career. It's not an insult against uh, Justin Fields. I think that Justin Fields can be very good. But I think if Mac Jones goes at number three, He's gonna have a better career than Trey Lance. I think I agree. Trey Lance goes there. He's gonna have it's it's literally just because Kyle Shanahan has it all. And that's he, why I'm excited yeah. about the Jets with Zach Wilson because it's just basically Kyle Shanahan's offense, and we hope that LaFleur can do it well too. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, Cole, your trivia question. We give 90 seconds to our guests. You get three strikes. Okay. Your question, shocker, it's NFL draft related. Ooh. So there have been four players since 2005 that have won a national championship in college and have also been selected number one overall. We assume that that'll be number five when Trevor Lawrence gets taken number one. So can you name the four guys since 05? Okay, since 05. Ooh, that's tough. Um, so I know one is Jamarcus Russell. 2007, that is correct. I know, I know that's one. Um, I know Sam Bradford was in it, but he lost it, I think. Uh, so that's not it. Um, okay. Oh man, this is tough actually. And there's a running clock. Uh, <laughs> That's what gets people is the clock. I gotta go. Uh, not Miles Garrett, not uh, Jared Goff, not. Um, wait, who went, who went number one in 2015? Not Javion Clowney in 2014, uh, 2015. Who was number one in 2015? God, no, I'm blanking on this. You got three strikes to go with too. So if you got a name. Yep. You got, uh, you got about 50 seconds left. So you got yeah. plenty of time. God, you guys got me on a good one. Uh, Matthew <laughs> Stafford, I know, did it in two thousand in two thousand nine. Um, Tim Tebow did. Um, For a hint, three of the four are SEC guys. Yeah, and that's what that's what I'm trying to think. Oh, Cam Newton, one hundred percent. There we there go. There you go. Thirty um, seconds left. You got Cam. Cam. Dang it! This is who was thirteen and fourteen number one. Uh, it wasn't Andrew Luck, and he was twelve. 
And that was 13 and that was 14. 15 seconds. Think super, super recent. Oh, super, super recent. Oh, Joe Burrow. God, why am I that? <laughs> There's Burrow. Uh, and uh, five seconds left. You got one on the tip of your tongue. Uh, Hail Mary. Uh, crap. I don't know, man. Ah. So, the last, so you got three. The last one, famous Jameis Winston. In Davis! Davis! And I had it. I you had did. You year. said 2015. I'm like, oh, he's going to get it. And then... I had the year. Dang it. He yeah. did. And here was why I forgot. Because he won it in 13. And I thought it was he wanted the year right before. Because every other one wanted the year before they that got it. That is correct. That, that is amazing. why I missed it. Dang it. <laughs> well done. Hey, yeah. like all of our guests who get the trivia question wrong, it serves as an incentive to come back and get it right the next time. So there Absolutely. you go. <laughs> Cole, was great. it was great seeing you, buddy. Thanks a lot for joining us. We know you're busy enjoy the draft congrats again on everything and like joe said we'll do this again soon thanks and get some sleep at some point during the weekend at some point i actually have a wedding on saturday (laughs) uh, sunday i'm not getting out of bed make sure you guys are following me at social media at mr cole thompson listen to our brand new show at sportsmapradio.com all 32 picks on thursday night looking forward to it see you cole thanks man once again, that was Cole Thompson. Joe, I haven't seen that guy in like five or yeah, six years. Yeah, you were saying years. it's been a few years ago. Been a back few years. Bama, you know, we were looking for guests this week. We knew how tough it would be. A lot like March Madness. We were trying to find a college hoops guy. We knew the football people yeah. would be swamped. And, and look, we talked to some of them, and they were all like, sure, after the draft, would love to. But it just goes back to like how different it is now versus when we started this last May. We're coming up at episode 50. Or last May, it was like, hey, can you do this? They had no excuse. The answer was yes. There was nothing going on. But like now right. it's, yeah, this is their Super Bowl week and Christmas week. So like they can't do it. Um, so, so here we they go. They got a but lot going that's on. That's not to say that Cole isn't incredible. And we had an incredible conversation with him. Um, I've just loved the fact that he fueled so much of my arguments that we were going to get into in our segment. Um, and you know what? You might have to revoke your friendship with him because it's mine now. Because I, was he agreed su- with me. I was surprised. <laughs> I mean, he really, I thought for sure you two maybe talked before the interview and you're like, here's what I think, say this stuff because, but I was surprised because Cole, you know, he went to Bama and uh, he obviously watches the team. There is alma mater and talking to my friends, we have the same thoughts on a lot of players like me and my friends all feel like Smith's better than Waddle. We all love Mac Jones. A lot of us like Mac better than Tua. Um, and we know how good Mac is just this perception around him is clouded by people because they obviously his potential isn't as good as Trey Lance or Justin Fields. But uh, the receivers was interesting because for him to not take Chase or Devonte and think Waddle is the best option was was interesting to me. And I see where he's coming from in terms of how you can use Waddle and how great he is in special teams. And in today's NFL, if you get him in the right system, just how dynamic he can be. But my thing with Devontae Smith is of those three, he's got the best hands. He's the best route runner. And he's just the most complete. Like he, he has no question marks about his game, his physical traits. Sure. But his game as a receiver, he has no question marks. That's fair. And if you watch the film, I, he, you just the guy's always open. It's unbelievable. And when Waddle got hurt, 
you would think defenses would key even more on Smith and be like, look, of everybody on the field, we have to take away this dude. At the same token, though, um, yes, they key in on him more. And yes, the SEC is different. But he was there were games where he was just force fed. And it's not like the rest of that Bama offense didn't have talent. And you're talking about a guy in Mac Jones who his game is just feasting on accuracy. And Devontae was able to just feast with the yak, and it just worked out. Uh, We talked about it off the air. Before Waddle got hurt in the games that they played together, Smith and Waddle, this past season, Waddle had 557 yards and four touchdowns. Devontae Smith had 556 yards and four touchdowns. (laughs) And before the season started, there was all the talk about the Heisman for Waddle, not for right. Smith. So here's what I thought immediately after the national title game. I might have mentioned it to you. I definitely mentioned it and just talking with my dad and my brother. Um, immediately after that, you know, the next morning, McShay, Kuyper, Dan Jeremiah, all these guys are pressing send on a mock draft. College football season's over. What's next? The draft. I knew that immediately there would be all this hype about Devontae Smith and deservedly so. But I always felt that when we got closer to the draft, as we are now recording this on the eve of the draft, releasing it the day of the draft, I always felt that people would go back to remembering who the heck Chase and Waddle were. Jamar Chase was clear-cut the number one guy and is clear-cut the number one guy. I think this year, I think he's in his own tier. Then it's Waddle and Smith. Then it's the rest of the guys. And people are remembering that. And he is the clear odds-on favorite in Vegas to be the first receiver taken now. Why do then you think he's clear-cut, though? Is it just his just physical everything about it. Everything about his game is perfect. and Because Smith's a better – his tape's better than Chase's. It's not, That's the it's thing. Not. That's the thing. It's not. It is. It's not. It's absolutely not better than Jamar Chase's tape. Nothing about any of the receivers is better than Jamar Chase. He is that good. And we see from that offense, you know – what Justin Jefferson has become and what a lot of the LSU receivers have become in the NFL. He's clear cut the best. And then with Waddle, same thing. People forgot about him. They remember seeing him limping through that national title game, toughing it out. But then it's like, Oh, wait a minute. This guy's got, we loved this guy. He just happened to break his leg uh, or his ankle, whatever it was. Um, and they've remembered that. And he's since kind of risen in the conversation with Devonte again. So when you put it all on the table, I would go chase one, waddle two, Devontae three. And like Cole said, that's not to say I think Devontae is not going to be as good as those guys. So much of it is going to depend on the situation they end up in. And I think all three of them are going to be perennial pro bowlers or have that potential. Um, if I were a GM, that's just how I would go about it is, is chase waddle and, and Smith. Interesting. People forget, like, that's the thing. You go back and watch that year. Jamar Chase was unbelievable he was great but he didn't win the heisman trophy and he didn't set only one receiver in 30 years won the heisman trophy and he wasn't going to his quarterback was joe burrow well the heisman trophy means nothing to me in terms of prognosticating in the nfl it's a hunk of metal they give to a college guy that means nothing in terms of translating to the pros it doesn't but it shows you how great smith was this past season he was but again as we said in a different universe when Waddle doesn't have an injury, either one of those guys could have gotten it and probably they would have canceled each other out and Mac Jones would have won it. Probably so would have. that's the only reason. And I'm glad you brought up Mac because 
Cole wasn't too high on Mac either, which surprised me. And my wait, wait, big- sorry, sorry, I just wanted one more thing. The stats, did do you off the top of your head without looking, can you tell me ballpark what Jamar Chase's numbers were that last year he played? I know he had 20 touchdowns. Uh I mean, did he have over 2,000 receiving yards? It was close. It was close. He had 1780 and 20 touchdowns. And again, that's on a team that had so many other weapons. And he still was able to rise above the Justin Jefferson, above Clyde Edwards-Alaire, above Thaddeus Moss, and still feast with that kind of statistical line at the end of the season. It was remarkable. We forget because he sat out the year, but Jamar Chase is, is number one. I'm sorry. Jamar Chase is number one. I mean, he's good. Still give me Smith, <laughs> but whatever. They're both good. But I love uh, Smith. I love Smith. Over to the quarterbacks, though. Mac Jones, see, and I'm glad you brought up LSU's team because the biggest thing I feel like people are knocking about Mac is all this help around him. And we didn't knock Joe Burrow exactly. when he had Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Justin Jefferson and Jamar he Chase. He had an entire NFL offense around him. He did. And look, Mac's not as good as Joe Burrow. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you can't knock a guy for being in a good system when Burrow had the same thing, especially if Mac's going to go to San Francisco and have just as good an offensive mind as Shanahan, have a good O-line, have good running backs, have maybe the second-best tight end in football, have the you know great young receivers. Like Mac's going to have so many weapons, and I get the potential of Lance and Fields, but San Francisco is ready to win a Super Bowl right now. And Mac is probably the most ready quarterback right now besides Trevor Lawrence. So I think that making that pick, Shanahan – you know, I think part of it, too, is he kind of wants a game manager-ish type. I don't think he wants a guy going off script and kind of doing things his way. He likes to be in control. He likes setting the tone with the run game, working off the play action, running all his wide receiver sweeps and jet motions and all this stuff. So I think Mac's the perfect guy for him. Mac will be a great quarterback. He's- his ceiling's not as high as Lance and Fields, but going to San Francisco, he's, he's going to be a very good player. Of course. He's a perfect fit for them. But here's my thinking in the end. The Niners probably should have won the Super Bowl over the Chiefs in that game. Collapsed oh, in the yeah. fourth quarter. Still had a chance on that bomb to Emmanuel Sanders. The record speaks for itself. I know quarterback wins is not a good stat to go by, Uh Jimmy G just wins with them. I mean, you look at the record with and without him, it's astounding. You know, yeah. you look around the league, teams that lose their starting quarterback, they're still able to, good teams are still able to find a way to win. And we think the Niners are a good team. Like you just said, they're Super Bowl ready right now. Right. Look at the Saints a couple of years ago when Drew Brees got hurt. Look how many games they won with Teddy Bridgewater. Look last year when Drew Brees got hurt. Look how many they won with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. The Niners, when Jimmy G has been hurt, they haven't been able to win. So that says – it's got to say something. It doesn't sure. say a lot because quarterback wins, again, is not the good stat to go by, but it says something. And my thing is this. If you want to take Mac because you think it helps them win now, Jimmy G helps them win now. There isn't, in my mind, that much of a staggering upgrade from Jimmy G to Mac Jones immediately, immediately. Down the road, I think Jones develops him as a very good quarterback and probably better than Jimmy G. And Jimmy G, I think, is just a system guy with Shanahan who's able to get the job done and almost win them a Super Bowl. You don't trade from where they traded from up to number three for that. And that's exactly what Cole was saying, and I was glad he agreed with me as well. 
maybe there's a difference of opinion between Shanahan and the front office, but you don't make that kind of jump and take Mac Jones. He was probably going to be there at their pick anyway. If you go, if you start going through uh, the top 10 mock, like we will get to once we're done with these couple small debates, we'll get through our top 10 mock and then talk through the rest of the first round because it's anybody's guess. It's a waste of time, in my opinion, to actually try to make 32 picks because we know it's not going to go that way. So we'll talk right. through them. But um, you think about what they gave up and then you start looking at what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and you start thinking about what Jimmy G's contract situation is. They have a tailor-made situation to take Trey Lance, sit him for a year, develop him, and then next year you put Trey Lance with a year to marinate in that Kyle Shanahan system, and that's just going to be unfair if he develops the way we all think he's going to develop. And in the meantime, you have, as we've said, a Super Bowl-ready team with the quarterback who already took them to and should have won a Super Bowl. So in the near term, great, like it was with Alex Smith and and the Chiefs. In the long term, great. You hope Lance could be the same thing as Mahomes. It, that makes too much sense. And you turn around then and, and see that uh, the Eagles and the Dolphins made that trade at six. Um, and then you turn around and see now that the Lions, the Panthers, the Broncos all could be moving out of seven, eight, and nine. They could have gone to one of those four, six, seven, eight, or nine, and given up way less if Mac Jones was truly the guy they wanted. So for me, it just doesn't make any sense to go that high to take a guy who probably would have been there at 12, definitely would have been there at six, seven, eight, or nine. Why would you trade up to three for that? That's my thing. That's, that's the only reason why I don't think Jones is a pick. If it is, Kyle Shanahan wins out. Maybe Mac Jones is phenomenal. We both think he's going to be, but it just doesn't compute in terms of the value. The only other thing that comes to mind is, did they truly think the Jets were not entirely sold on Zach Wilson? where they maybe would have positioned themselves to take him if all of a sudden the Jets took field. But when I think about that, I say to myself, no, because the trade the Niners made took place while Lynch and Shanahan were standing next to Sala and Joe Douglas at Zach Wilson's pro day. So why would they have thought anything different? If the trade would have happened a week before the pro day, maybe they would have hoped that bad pro day performance, he falls from two to three but they were standing there on the sideline at Zach Wilson's pro day next to Joe Douglas and Robert Sala being wowed by a great pro day when they pulled the trigger on that trade. So it just doesn't make any sense to me if the pick is anything other than Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Last thing I'll say about Mac too, is that I think why it's okay if you bring him in with Jimmy G is the dude just invites uh, competition. See, I think, I think if they bring in, if they do draft Jones, we, you know, we saw that funny interview with Shanahan this past week where he said, I can't guarantee if anybody's even alive on Sunday. They'll get rid of um, Jimmy if they, G. If they draft Jones, Jimmy G will be a Patriot by the end of the weekend. If they draft Lance, Jimmy G is the starter and Lance is the starter next year. That's fair. See, I think what, what they don't like about Jimmy G is that they can't trust him in a big game. In the one postseason that they had with him, when they played Minnesota in the divisional round, I think he had seven pass attempts. Oh, it against, was all on the ground. It was all Mostert. It was all on the ground. ground. Against Green Bay, Mostert had four touchdowns, mm-hmm. so he didn't have to make any big throws. And then in the Super Bowl, obviously when they needed him to make plays, he didn't come up. Mac playing in a national title game, playing in national television, televised games every week. I think they just trust him in big spots, and they like the character. And I can see that. There is where I see them being enticed with Mac, because Mac has Jimmy G's qualities, 
but he has that next level in his game when the moment shines brightest that Jimmy G doesn't have. So that's the only separator. Right. He's not afraid of, of competition. 99% of kids in today's age, if you had Tua and Jalen Hurts in front of you, would have transferred. It's just the way it is. But that's the kind of kid he is. He stuck it out. He knew he was going to get his turn, and he made the most of it. Absolutely. So, but it's, it's going to be intriguing. Um, so, Joe, we'll just go through our top ten, and we'll kind of talk about – Every pick, uh, the first pick. We can Jackson. breeze through one and two. We can, right. it's, one. It's well, I actually want to get your take on two because okay. I, we really haven't talked about how much, if, if you like Zach Wilson, if you love him, if you're happy. Because two months ago, if I told you the Jets were drafting two, you would have been like, all right, Justin Fields. Like, you know, I like him. But yeah, now so it's Wilson. So how do you so think? I, it's, it's this weird kind of thing where I guess it depends who you are, where you've been getting your information. A lot of people, it seems like in the last couple months, have been surprised at the rise of Zach Wilson. Anybody who's really plugged into watching college football on a weekly basis and is already keeping an eye on the drafts in, in November and December, you knew that it was going to be a battle between Wilson and Fields. And at the end of the day, it was probably going to come down to who was picking and what hirings were made. If the Jets would have turned around and hired a different coach, maybe that coach's offensive system or that offensive coordinator system would have been better suited than Justin Fields. But with the fit with Mike LaFleur's offense, Wilson's a better fit. Wilson probably has arguably the highest ceiling of any of the quarterbacks. Him and Trey Lance probably have the two highest ceilings. And yes, I mean, including Trevor Lawrence in terms of the ceiling. Uh, that was one thing that really stuck out to me throughout the whole process. Gil Brandt, who is Hall of Famer, uh, the guy, the go-to guy every year in terms of draft analysis. People always look up to him, always try to pick his brain. The guy's, I, I, I believe he's up in his 80s. So you think about him and you think he's probably mentally ingrained to always gravitate towards that prototypical guy like Trevor Lawrence. He tweeted not too long ago that – he is surprised Jacksonville has not even been at Wilson's pro days and whatnot, and not really even giving him a thought because he said, if he were on the clock, he would could very well see himself taking Wilson because of all the extra things he brings to the table. Would I take Wilson over Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely not. But it was just interesting to see that line of thinking from somebody as respected and old as Gil Brandt. And you think about, you know, Bill Polian and everything he said about Lamar and Josh Allen and whatnot, and how sometimes those older guys don't have the mindset of today's game. But for Brant to see that in today's game, that kind of sold me on Wilson. Um, I loved what I saw last year. I wish the competition was better, but you only play what's in front of you, and he dominated everybody in front of him. We see the tape, the off-schedule plays. He does look like he can make Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes-type plays. Um, but at the end of the day, everything depends on your situation and who you have around you. And if the Jets would have put better surrounding cast for Sam Darnold, we're not even having this conversation because he's still the quarterback and the team is picking way later than second. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, but with the signings they've made, with Makai Becton at left tackle, he is immediately Wilson stepping into a better situation than Darnold did. So I'm here for it. I'm not going to get as hyped for it as I did for the Darnold pick even though I think Wilson might be a better prospect than Darnold because I just had my heart broken with Sam Darnold. So I'm not going to overhype into this one. I'm going to wait a year first. Um, but I am 
extremely cautiously optimistic because he is a remarkable talent. I do love Justin Fields as well. For me, those were the only two options. I don't think Mac was a fit. Uh, and I don't think that Lance was a viable option because Lance probably needs to marinate for a year and the Jets don't have a guy who can be a bridge quarterback. They maybe would have gotten one like a Teddy Bridgewater who got traded today or something like that if Lance was a possibility, but they haven't. So he's not a possibility. It's Wilson and I'm happy with it. Um, all right. Three we've discussed. You like Lance. I like Jones. Four, I have Kyle Pitts. Who do you have? I have Kyle Pitts as well. This is where it gets interesting. And we started having some conversations earlier with Cole. I would say watch out for a surprise pick of Justin Fields here because Terry Fontenot, new GM, maybe starting to think about life beyond Matt Ryan. We already saw the report from Peter King and others that they might be open to trading Julio Jones. So, you see the wheels turning. There's an eye towards life beyond this core group of Falcons. Justin Fields, every step of the way, is the one and two with Trevor Lawrence until the draft where he happened to be beyond Zach Wilson as well. He's from the area. It seems like a fit. The only thing holding it back is Matt Ryan's contract because they will have to eat a lot of money if they got to trade him next year then because you're not going to sit Fields for more than one year. Been there, done that. We saw what the Packers just did foolishly with Love and Rodgers last year. So I don't see the Falcons doing that with the intention of sitting him for more than one year. Um, and again, you would almost have to sit him for more than one year unless you want to eat that much money for Matt Ryan. So situationally, because of the contract, it makes it tougher. But it wouldn't shock me because a new GM starting to kind of make the team in his mold for beyond next year. But adding pitch to the equation with Arthur Smith at the head coach now, it gives the Falcons one last run at it. I mean, we saw how competitive they were last year after the coaching change. You add Kyle Pitts into an offense with Julio Jones, if they still do keep him, and Calvin Ridley and Hayden Hurst and Matt Ryan. Like, that's going to be a top-five offense in the league. And if the defense could be even league average, I mean, they're probably a 10-win team and making one final run at it. So you can't go wrong with Pitts. He's incredible. I might think about taking a quarterback, but I know monetarily things are complicated with that. I think they take Pitts. When I look back at Matt Ryan, and he's not what he was when he won MVP, but his best seasons are when he had Tony Gonzalez mm -hmm. tight end. And if Pitts is what people think he's going to be, I mean, he's going to be better than Tony Gonzalez. Of course. He's, just, he's a freak with how big he is, how fast he is. You combine that with Ridley and Julio and the fact that you're, you play on that turf, you play indoors, you play at least nine games every year indoors because you play New Orleans. I mean, you're, their offense is going to put up so many points. And with Arthur Smith bringing in that play-action game, and Pitts is a willing blocker. That's what people don't get is they just think he's an incredible wide receiver playing tight end, but he will block. So him in that Arthur Smith system blocking and playing tight end is just – I mean, I hope the Falcons take Pitts. I, I understand the idea of getting a quarterback to look into the future with Matt Ryan. I say maybe get a guy in the fourth or fifth round this year. Yes, that, that see I where you see. are next year and then reassess things. But I it, mean, it's more because Fields is Fields has a very good case for being the number two guy 
So to have a guy who could make a case of being the second best sitting there at four, and oh, by the way, he's a hometown kid, like it gets the wheels turning a little bit, but you shouldn't necessarily just be swayed by those things. And you just got to look at the NFL the past decade. I mean, the way Gronk and Kelsey have dominated this league, if you have a chance to get a guy like that, I just, I think you have to. So I think Pitts is the pick for Atlanta. I saw somebody bet, I think it was, I want to say 500 bucks to win 25,000. Maybe it was 5,000 to win 25,000. I probably should have looked that up. But it was a big bet to win $25,000 on Pitts being taken third by the Niners which would be absolutely absurd. You know, Chris Felica, the bear, tweeted that out. He tweeted out, (laughs) why is nobody talking about San Francisco taking Pitts, pairing him with Kittle, and having Jimmy G play quarterback? And I'm like, good luck. Actually brilliant. Good luck stopping that. I mean, you think about Shanahan's system, and you're telling me that you have Kittle, Pitts, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk? Oh, my God. Most that's scary. I mean, forget about the running backs. I mean, this is a run heavy team, and then you happen to have those passing options. Oh my god, it'd be scary. It's probably not going to happen, but no, but Bear said that, and I'm like, they should yeah. take pits. I mean, they... <laughs> good god, that'd be something. Joe, the hardest pick for me of the top oh. 10 was Cincinnati, and it was because it's what I think they do, what I think they'll do, and what I know they should do. Oh, uh, what wait. they should I, wait, wait, do. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You and I, I think, are – we thought about this the same way because I looked at this as what I would do versus what they should do. So on the count of three, we say the name of the player we have mocked to the Bengals. Ready? One, two, three. Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase. Okay. There we and go. They, they, took, they should take Sewell. But yeah. I think the, the, the chance to bring Burrow back with Chase, I just think the Bengals are going to see that. And – but the thing is, is they have T. Higgins and they have Tyler Boyd. If you pair Chase with that, all of a sudden, I mean, you have three studs playing wide out, but you have nobody to protect Burrow. Okay. I have a rationale for it. And I, again, what I would do is take Sewell. What they should, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What I would do is take Sewell. What they should do is take Sewell. What they will do, I think, is take Chase. Yes. And look, it is way too tantalizing to not add Chase to Burrow with what they have. But here's the thing. This draft is exceptionally deep at tackle. And they're picking at the top of the second round. And they have some pieces they could trade up if they wanted to get back into the end of the first round. That's something that I don't think has been talked about enough. All the debates are like, do you get Chase? Do you get Sewell? And nobody's thinking about what comes next. Exceptionally deep draft at left tackle or right tackle but the tackle positions there's nothing stopping them from taking chase and then also taking a guy at what would that be 30 uh 37 38 that is all that is capable of stepping in and starting from day one at left tackle so i think they're gonna take chase and then take a guy top of round two to be their starter at left tackle i'm gonna flip it around on you and say that I don't think there is a bigger lock year to year in the NFL draft than taking linemen that are consensus. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. So that's why I like Sewell. And you talk about the depth at tackle. I mean, the depth at receivers, people think there could be 14, 15 wide receivers taken in the first two rounds. So they could get a guy in round two. My thing with Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's worst two games he played his rookie season by far was not even close. 
was when he played the Ravens and the Steelers. And the reason that those two games were so bad for him was because of how exotic those teams blitz mm-hmm. packages are and all the different things they do. And his O-line just – Burrow had no chance. And if the Super Bowl showed us anything, it's that you can have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You can have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd. If your quarterback only has one and a half seconds to throw the ball, you're not getting anything done. So knowing the Bengals organization like I know – like I do, yeah. they're going to take Chase – but they should take and, sword. And I, I agree. And again, I just think playing devil's advocate, it's not the worst thing in the world because it's not like they're neglecting the position entirely. Now, if they take chase and then don't take a left tackle top of round two or trading back into round one, that's malpractice. And Joe Burrow should think about suing them for <laughs> preemptive assault or something <laughs> like that. But uh, you look at the names and I'm not going to pretend to go through to, to, to say that I know what m- – might make a left tackle or a right guard that great at the next level. It's probably the hardest position for lay people like you and I to scout because it's so scheme based and so technique based. But from what I've heard and from what I remember watching weekly in college, you start talking about guys like Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state, uh, your boy, Alex Leatherwood, Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame. Like there are guys who could become very good starting caliber left tackles. They could take top around too. But again, not as much of a lock as it would be taken Sewell. So it's a risk, but it's it could pay off. And here's my bold prediction. They'll take Chase. Zach Taylor gets fired after this year, and the Bengals hire Joe Brady, and they bring Brady back with Burrow and Chase. You I watch really it happen. hope that happens now. You watch it happen. I I'm really telling you hope right that happens now. now. We're going to have gonna... to revisit this. And LSU is mail. just going to move to Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> and that's going to be – it's just going to be one big team. Hey, the Bayou Bengals, now the Cincinnati Bengals. So there you go. <laughs> um. All right. Dolphins was another tough one because – they obviously, with two of there, you could go Smith or Waddle. But also they could go Slater because you can never have enough O-line help, especially to protect a young quarterback. And in our envisionment of this, Sewell's there too. So Sewell's an option for the That's Dolphins. true. That's very true. Um, and I thought about Sewell, Slater, and Waddle, but I think they take Smith. Um, I think they go think, one of the Bengals. We're, we're, we're totally in agreement for picks one through six. <laughs> now I know we will not agree beyond this because this is where I get wacky. Oh, okay. Uh, for eight, nine and for seven, eight, nine, and we've 12. talked about Smith. Um, I'll say my seven then is Sewell. I think. See, the Lions are another team like the Bengals because I know they're dumb and they could take Waddle <laughs> and get flashy and just try and get the shiny new car when they need a. Like Cole said, I mean, it's it's something to say that you have a worse roster than the Texans, but the Lions absolutely do. They need help everywhere. But you win in football up front, O-line and D-line, and you have a chance to get Penny Sewell. I just – if he's there at seven, the Lions have to take him. And I think they would do that, so I have them taking Sewell. They should do that and put that building block there. They won't do that because they have Taylor Decker. And I think this is a great spot for them, like Cole also mentioned, to trade back because they have so many holes and they can help address more of them by trading back. Mm. Now, here's a trade that I don't think I've ever seen suggested. And we talk about how the Patriots have been rumored to have laid the groundwork for a trade up in the top 10 and this and that. The teams where you hear rumored to make trades like that almost never do. They're right. Smoke screens. I and wonder if you're thinking of the team that I'm thinking of that was going to hop up there. Las I'm interested. Vegas right? Raiders. Oh, no. No. Now, who did you team. think of? 
the Steelers. Okay. Nobody's well, talking about Pittsburgh. Correct. I got the Las Vegas Raiders okay. at 17, mm. moving up to number seven. I like to it. Take, to take Justin Fields. I like it. And it wouldn't cost too much based on the draft chart. It could be probably this year's second and third and next year's second, so you don't have to touch next year's first. Um, maybe they make you throw in next year's first because you're coming up for a quarterback because quarterbacks always skew the value. Right. But at worst, you're not giving up any more than next year's first. Um, and if you're saving next year's first, you're giving up two seconds instead. So it's not a trade that's going to cripple you as far as your draft capital. Derek Carr and John Gruden seem to have a love-hate relationship. Um, I think you could win with Carr. He was almost an MVP or was a front runner for it before he broke his leg. And he was really good last year. The problem for them last year was defense, not offense, but that's something that I could see happening because it won't cost too much. John Gruden in his career has never ever had a quarterback that would be as talented or highly touted as a guy like Justin Fields. So I could definitely see that happening. It would be very intriguing. And again, a team that has not been talked about at all to come up for a quarterback, but those are the ones you got to watch for because if they're doing things right, they're sitting back, keeping their mouths shut, working in the shadows and they make a move like that. So this, that's why I said, you know, Smith, you don't have to talk about, we've talked about him. We know the fit with Tua and the history there, but this one is where I get a little wacky and it's not the only trade that I have coming up, but Justin Mm. Fields to the Raiders at seven. I like where your head's at. Before the trade went down today, I had slotted out at eight that the Steelers were going to trade with the Panthers and take Trey Lance because, like you said, with the Raiders, nobody's talking about the Steelers. And while they have holes at running back and at offensive line, they don't have too many holes anywhere else. I mean, their receiving core is good with Claypool, Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster. We know their defense that they're getting Devin Bush back is going to be really good with Minka and Watt. So really what they're looking for is that quarterback to succeed, Ben. And we know Mason Rudolph's not going to be that guy. So I think Pittsburgh had a real shot at moving up to eight and taking Lance to sit this year and then be the guy next year. But once the Panthers traded Teddy away, I think they're going to keep the spot at eight. And I think they're going to take Trey Lance. Now, I think he does sit maybe well it'll depend on how Darnold played I think Darnold's a starter going into the season um and I think they'd like to have Lance sit the year but because they traded Teddy away um I have the Panthers taking Lance at eight and then I have the Broncos taking Fields at nine and those those are my two picks so I don't think today's trades change my opinion about either team um, and I think I, Drew Locke's going to the Steelers now, by the way. I think okay, he's okay. they're going to trade him away to the Steelers. I don't think the Panthers are taking a quarterback. I think they are sold on Darnold as far as at least giving him a shot this year with so much talent around him. And I think the only way they're going to get a true assessment of him is if they continue to build around him. They have assets uh, that they can trade away if they need to for next year and if, if Darnold doesn't work out, they'll get that quarterback next year, maybe. Um, and if Darnold doesn't work out, you imagine the team probably has a bad record again. So they won't have to give up too much to move up to get that quarterback. So I think the best way you help him out is do what the Jets didn't do until this past year. And that's take a guy who should not still be on the board, which is Penny Sewell. You, you at eight get that guy mm. who, at the end of the day, whether it's Darnold, whether it's Spencer Rattler next year, whoever the case is, 
he's helping your quarterback, whoever the heck your quarterback is. Uh, and you have him fall in there after last year, they spent all the picks on the defensive side of the ball. So you're helping the defense. You got your franchise left tackle. You're helping Darnold out in the process and you're helping out whoever that next quarterback is. If it's not Darnold, because you imagine if Darnold doesn't work out, they're going to have a rookie quarterback from the draft next year. And again, what better to do for your rookie quarterback than have that left tackle. So you are lucky that he's there at eight, you take him. So I got Panay Sewell eight to the Panthers. Um, and if Sewell goes earlier, if Sewell goes earlier, I imagine that the Dolphins would take Chase and Smith would fall a little bit and, and Slater would be the pick to the Panthers at eight. So I yes. think to go and tackle no matter what. Gotcha. Um, Who do you like for Denver? Not Denver, New England, Mac Jones. And mm-hmm. this is where, taking back to the argument about the Niners, if they truly wanted Mac, I don't think they had to trade up to three. And we see how the draft has fallen here. And Bill Belichick, I mean, it's obvious why Mac Jones would be a guy he likes because he loved Jimmy G for the same reasons we talked about earlier. He's Jimmy G with that next gear he could kick into. So there's obviously been comparisons between Jones and Brady, which is, I mean, nobody in the history of humanity going forward should be compared to Tom Brady because Tom (laughs) Brady is the only Tom Brady. Um, even though that's not technically true because Tom Brady is a common name and there are a lot of Tom Brady's out there in the world, but there's no that Tom Brady. Um, Mac Jones would be perfect. I mean, he would be absolutely perfect for Belichick and McDaniels. And from 15 to nine, you're forking over next to nothing. And you go ahead and get Mac Jones. We know that they're not sold on Newton based on the way his contract was set up. Um, So this makes too much sense for me not to happen. If Mac Jones truly does fall to nine. And then number 10, uh, Dallas, I think they're going corner. Yeah, Sertan. It's coin flip between Sertan and Horn. My thinking was if Jerry liked Trayvon Diggs, he'll like Patrick Sertan. Yeah, he's taking taking I I think he's going to take Sertan. I'm sold. That that one was probably one of my easier ones to pencil in. So, um, yeah, I think it could get wacky. Even if it's not the guy, the teams that I said, I think seven, eight, nine could get wacky. Yes. and the draft really gets interesting in that range. It gets interesting before that. Five. Too, I mean, the Bengals, yeah, I cannot wait. The Bengals, they're going to take Chase, and I'm just going to feel It's bad. a big domino to fall. It's a big domino to fall. And I, I'm going to have my phone, like, across the room because I want to really see these picks announced and not have them spoiled on Twitter. Like I said, later in the round or the next day, right. I don't care, but not, not the top ten. So what'll be, What'll be I, interesting – go ahead. I just wanted to recap quick. I got Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Pitts, Chase, Smith, then seven, the Raiders with Fields, and Panay Sewell, eight to the Panthers. Nine, I had the Patriots with Mac Jones, and then 10, Patrick Sertan, the second. Yeah, I got uh, Trevor Will, uh, Trevor to the Jags, Wilson to the Jets, Mac Jones, Sam Fran, Pitts to Atlanta, Chase to the Bengals, Devontae to the Dolphins, Sewell to the Lions. Lance to the Panthers, Fields to the Broncos, Sertan to Dallas. I was going to say that what gets interesting is if the Bengals take Sewell, I think the Dolphins go with one of the Bama guys for Tua. Mm. And then at seven at Detroit, do guys start trading up for Chase instead of trading up for quarterbacks? That's see, I don't think so because it'll be interesting. I think if Chase is somehow still there at seven, which I don't think he will be because if the Bengals don't take him, I think the Dolphins will. I mean, Bama connections with Tua be damned. 
they're taking Jamar Chase, who's the clear cut number one. And this is also for a team who doesn't seem to still be entirely sold on Tua. Um, so I don't think they're going to draft a Bama guy to specifically put him with Tua because he might not be their quarterback in 2022 for all they know. So I think they take Chase. Uh, but if he somehow gets past the Dolphins, the Lions will sprint that card to the table with Jamar Chase's name on it. Uh, so I don't think he possibly gets past seven, whether it's the Lions or a trade, but I'm pretty sure the Lions, especially with their history of taking wide receivers in the first round, will run that card up to the table. Man, I can't wait. It's going to be yeah. fun. Let's, uh, this yeah. time, let's see, it's 8.45 now on Wednesday as we record this. So right about now is when we'll be in like pick. The interesting so, part. I'm already dreading about tomorrow is that it's going to take 30 oh. minutes to get through the Jags and Jets pick when we all know who they're taking. Yeah. Let's I wish they could take just, two minutes. Yeah, let's it. go to San Francisco, please. Neither clock should tick down past <laughs> however long it takes to make the phone call. Right. Um, they're not trading. No they know who they're taking. Just. Thank you, guys. Okay. No All right. The rest of the first round, we're going to kind of just try to breeze through here. We're not necessarily going to give picks because, like we saw with all that uncertainty at the end of the top 10, there's no way of picking. I know it's just a right. quick bait thing every year. Everybody makes mock drafts, but we'll talk to the teams quick what their needs are. Um, starting with the Giants at 11, they're not going to trade up. They're not going to trade back. Dave Gettleman is a dinosaur who likes to stay put and always make the pick. Uh, they could help on the offensive line for Daniel Jones. They could get him a receiver like Waddle or Smith if either are still there. I think that's what they that's what they do. I, I was gonna say I go Waddle. Waddle. I think I think they go Waddle. Uh, Philly at twelve. I think they get Horn with Sertan gone. I think they go corner. Yeah, Chargers. I agree with that. If if there's a receiver still there, if if either Waddle or Smith still happen to be there, I think the Eagles take one because I don't think their pick last year satisfied people, yeah. uh, especially after they missed out on Justin Jefferson. Yes. So I think they could go receiver, uh, but corner would be a good option too. Let me tell you, the Chargers have the opportunity of being the best uh, value pick of the first round. Mm. If Slater falls to them, which he very well could be, I mean, to get him for Herbert could be a slam dunk. That would probably be a slam dunk, dunk yeah. That would be a slam dunk. And maybe Micah Parsons because you got a defensive head coach in there now uh, so if they want to go the defensive route. But, again, like you said, if Slater's there – you got Justin Herbert, you protect Justin Herbert, and, and that would make a lot of sense. Minnesota's an interesting one. They need a lot of needs. They're going to go defense, I feel like, just because that's Zimmer's expertise, and he was pissed with how the defense played last season. A lot of people like that Caleb Farley kid out of Virginia Tech. They like his potential. Um, I think they probably take a pass rusher here, whether it's Quiddy Pay out of Michigan or Aziz Ajari from Georgia. Um, Trying to think of Jalen Phillips in Miami too. Phillips I mean, in Miami. They, they, I, I think they probably, probably go that route. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Fifteen, technically the Patriots. For me, technically the Broncos. Uh, if it is my way, where it is the Broncos, I would say that you start looking for Denver at maybe uh, shoot. I mean, they'd be in an interesting spot here with Von Miller aging. Do they go with a guy like Quiddy Pay? They have a lot of ways they can go as well if they do trade back. Uh, but if it is the Patriots, um, you know, I don't think there's really any way of getting inside Bill Belichick's head because yeah. we usually don't see him picking at this point in the first round. They're always at the bottom half of the round. He always trades back out of the first round, it seems like. So I literally have no idea 
we have nothing to go off of in terms of assessing what he might do if he stays there and picks at 15. Nothing. Absolutely no history. Like it's always right. bottom half of the of the draft. So I have no idea. Um, Arizona, I think they're going to get protection for Kyler Murray. You talked about the tackle depth. I think whether they get the kid out of USC with the hyphenated name, uh, Vera Tucker, or they take the Washington kid, um, or there's another O-lineman that was like right there in the middle rounds that I can't think of. But I think they'll go O-lineman to try and protect Kyler Murray. The Raiders, we know, are most likely going defense. That yeah. defense is absolutely putrid. I think, like Cole said, uh, Christian Barrymore from Bama, because – there aren't great defensive tackles in this class, but he's the best one with potential knowing Gruden with how he likes to reach for guys. And he likes Bama guys. Well, I, I was think just going to say, we saw, Barrymore. What, we saw a couple of years ago. Cleveland Farrell. Did. Yeah. But Farrell yeah. and, uh, and, and he likes those guys from big, right. programs. big schools. Yeah. So I, I could absolutely see that happening. Um, it would make more sense for them to take an Owusu Koromoa or something like that, or if Micah Parsons is still falling around 17. But like you said, big guy, big school, probably going to get overdrafted, but it's what they need. And it's the way Mayock drafts. He's the way he's shown us he drafts with the big school. So it would make a lot of sense. Um, Miami, I think they could get their kid right there in the state. Jalen Phillips, they just lost Mm, Kyle Van Noy. They kind of need a pass rusher. So I think they go that route. Washington, like Cole said, I mean, oh, you asked yes. him, who's the guy that you like? And he's like, Jeremy, Wusu, Koromoa. That's slam yeah. dunk, done. The, the Dolphins, Boom. I think, it, you know, Tua needs to be kept upright as well. So if it's not defensive with a guy like Phillips, because they do need that kind of help, this is where I could see Elijah Vera Tucker coming off the board. Um, one of my friends runs a different podcast, and he actually was contacting a reporter from each local market to do a mock draft with him where they would just like submit a pick and Pete Haley, our good friend was that he actually had me get in touch with him to submit Washington's pick. Um, and he wanted Vera Tucker, but then with flowers that changes thing after trading uh, once again for Eric flowers, but he wouldn't have gotten Vera Tucker anyway, because the guy who was picking for the dolphins took Vera Tucker at 18. So that, that could be a really good fit to help to a uh, 20, the bears. Now when I had the Raiders trading up, the other team I thought about was the bears the only reservation I had would the bears trade with the lions. I mean, would the lions trade with the bears? Cause the lions were mm. in the position of seven. I don't know. Um, the bears need to take quarterback and need to hit on a quarterback. So whether it's the Broncos at nine, the Panthers at eight or the lions at seven, they probably have to trade up. If they don't uh, another team with a lot of holes probably need offensive line help, but what quarterback, if they wanted to reach for one, would they even go with here? I mean, no, you don't. You tra- you, you'd have to trade back and take a guy yeah. like Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond in the second round. Like you, there's no quarterback you can make the case for taking at twenty. No, they, they got to get a lineman if they keep the pick. Their offensive line is horrible. I mean, horrible. they couldn't run the ball at times last year, and they obviously can't protect. They. They got to get no lineman. So yeah, I think and trading up could be a, could be a possibility, uh, especially if it's with the Lions. The Lions could hold them hostage and make them fork over like all of next year. So the, they would see a team in their division get a quarterback. The Lions would, but they would see a team in their division torpedoing their future drafts in the process. So there's a good and a bad to that. Uh, but the Bears are an interesting one that we didn't touch on earlier, who could move up or down. 
The Colts, I think, are another team that wants to get a pass rusher. Uh, Quiddy Pay, kid from Michigan, the kid from uh, Penn State, Jason Owen could be another guy. But I think they go that route. They lost Justin Houston. And, uh, look, you play against Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, and now Trevor Lawrence in your division. I mean, you got to get after it, dude. So I think that's the route they go. What do the Jets do at 23? Uh, The Titans first at 22 – Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, they can – another team that, you know, you saw the playoffs against your Ravens. They got some holes. They lost Corey Davis. And as we get into that next cut of receivers, uh, one of the names that has been tossed around a lot, not necessarily with the Titans, but just in general, is Elijah Moore at Ole Miss, yeah. the stuff he did, um, who was his partner in crime out there in ten, um, at Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Yep. A.J. Brown. So you reunite those – Ole Miss receivers, and what a wide receiver group that was with DK Metcalf there as well. Um, incredible talent. But that could that would be my pick, I think, for the Titans at 22. Jets at 23, there's really not a lot that would upset me. Um, we need a corner. Newsom's on the board. We need offensive line. At this stage, Vera Tucker could be there. I wouldn't mind. Maybe it's a few picks too early, and maybe you could get him – at the top of the second, but I wouldn't mind Landon Dickerson here. Could use a center. Um, they don't really need – they could use an edge rusher, but with Quinn Williams, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers, and Folu Fatakasi, they don't – I mean, their defensive line with Sala in there now is going to be elite. I mean, they had, by every metric, a top five to ten defensive line last year. It was the only thing that we had going good for us. And now you add Salah into the mix and CJ Mosley backing them up, coming back into the fold. I would say, again, if maybe if Quiddy Pay falls or if Jalen Phillips falls, which I don't see happening, maybe you go that route. But uh, you could get a guy on day two who's just going to maybe be a, a situational pass rusher for you. So I, don't, I wouldn't love that kind of pick. Uh, I would probably say corner makes me really happy. Offensive line makes me really happy. Could go either way. I wouldn't love the value of taking a Najee Harris or a Travis Etienne here, but I wouldn't hate it because those are the only two guys I would do it for because I think those guys are legit and stars at the next level. So there's really not much they can do here that would upset me. Trade up if you want to for a guy like Vera Tucker or Quiddy Pay. Trade down if you got to and make a pick near the end of the round. If you, Like last year, we saw them trade, I believe it was like 14 spots down the second round. And they still ended up with Denzel Mims. So Joe Douglas is not afraid to work the board. You know, he's got that Ravens pedigree. Um, so I, I'm excited and intrigued at what they could do at 23. And again, there's almost nothing that would upset me here. Newsom's my pick. Uh, I love that guy at Northwestern. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, I think he'd, be, he'd be a very good pick for the Jets. I think it's good. It's good value. It might be a little bit of a reach. But again, with Sertan and Horn and Far- Farley as the top corners, Look, Newsom, Newsom's really good. I mm-hmm. think that'd be a pick. Joe, the Steelers, no matter what the Ravens do, I mean, literally, uh, Devontae Smith can fall to the Ravens, and it won't excite me as much as I'm going to be devastated when the Steelers take Najee Harris. It's going to just <laughs> pain me. I know it's coming. And, uh, I mean, that's – I just – I mean, maybe they go O-line, but it's just such a slam dunk for them to get Najee. They trade Connor away. You need a running game. Uh, Big Ben's arm's going to fall off if you throw him the way you did last year. Like, you need it back. You got to get back to Steeler football. So, 
I think that's who they're taking. Jacksonville, I mean, they got a lot of holes. I think this is just going to be a spot where Urban and uh, the Jacksonville front office is going to see just best, best available. available. Right, who's, Absolutely. who's the guy, and uh, that's who I they're going to take. I know Daniel Jeremiah, this is where he had um, – Christian Darisol, the left tackle from Virginia Tech, coming off the board. Mm. And, and that was a name that came to mind where the Bengals, this is the territory where I thought the Bengals, if they want to take Chase, they come up and take that name off the board. Because the Jaguars here, with Lawrence already in the bag, with the number one pick of the second round as well, uh, and with so many holes on the roster, it would be smart for Jacksonville to maybe trade back with a team like Cincinnati. And it would give the Jaguars the ammo if they wanted to, to trade back in with like the Bills or the Packers if they felt the need to. So they, they could have some flexibility here. Uh, but a name like that is what you might see in this range. Between the Ramsey trade and the Stafford trade, I don't think the Rams, I think it's Thursday of the drafts of vacation for them. <laughs> I just, why I mean, there's. Think, why do you think they bought that like mega mansion right. to spend the draft in? They That's don't true. have picks to make. They're just chilling in the pool and drinking beers. That's very all Very true. Very true. Cleveland um, is interesting. I think they could get another weapon on offense. We'll see what happens with Odell and what direction they go. Um, but, you know, with the running game they have and the old line that they have, if you give another receiving weapon to Baker in that offense, I mean, it just becomes more deadly. Yeah, and uh, I can see it, it. Whether it's Bateman or whether it's, um, you know, if Elijah Moore, if he doesn't go to Tennessee, maybe they go with uh, Terrace Marshall from LSU, somebody like that. They definitely could go defense. Yeah, um, I was inclined maybe to in the say, secondary. I was inclined to say defensive tackle especially with getting rid of Sheldon Richardson. But like we said, outside of Barmore, like there's, there's not many. And no. maybe if he's there, that's the pick. But I don't know. There's, it's a, it's a, another one of those where they could go anyway. And at the end of the day, maybe they're looking to trade out and just get some more value for it if nobody's really screaming out to them. Aziz Ojolari would be, I think, a good fit here uh, from Georgia. That's something to look out for. But – Again, when you're in this range of the draft, could be anybody, could go any which way. We're talking about playoff teams here who don't have many glaring holes and more often than not like to trade out and just get some value for it. Right. Um, finally, at 11.15 at night, the Ravens will make their selection. And uh, I'm hoping that the Browns don't take Trayvon Morig because that's mm-hmm. the guy I want the Ravens to take. Not a bad pick. In the NFL mock draft last night, that's who Hensley had them take him with 27. And it never crossed my mind. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, that's the guy I want. Yeah. Because at 27, there aren't any receivers that I want at that stage. And I don't really like any of the tackles. But I just think that's a case where Morg's so clear and obvious, the best player available at that time, if he's still there, that that's the guy I would take. Yeah, um, and that's not their only pick of the round either. So they have no, a couple. Yeah, they got more. more. New Orleans might have the best roster in football, so they'll probably go uh, best player yeah, available. I was too. just going to run through these quick. The Saints, the Packers, the Bills. I mean, good luck finding a hole on most of those rosters. The Packers could use a weapon, and maybe finally they draft a skill position guy for Aaron Rodgers. So yeah. maybe they go ahead and get a gadget guy like Kadarius Tony or something, even if it's a little early for him. Um, but this is a round where he might come off the board. But the Bills, no clue. They don't, they're across the board a solid team. 
and then it's back to your Ravens again. Uh, From everything I'm hearing, they're going to use one of the picks on a receiver. So whether it's 27 or 31, I think they'll they'll get one. And then at 32 with Tampa, uh, again, Justin Fields find a probably, hole. right, just falls at 32. <laughs> and that's, that's yeah, the pick. Yeah. Find um, a hole at 32 <laughs> for the Bucks. You're hard-pressed, too. Yes. Um, I'm really interested to see, as we get into this tomorrow, where some of the guys who opted out last year fall. Um Think of a guy like Greg Rousseau, who had a ridiculous seven games at Miami, got hurt, and then last year opted out because of COVID. Where does he go? How does he get assessed? Right. So there's a lot of talent, and it's going to be a really interesting last 10 picks and then first 10 of the next day because that's where a lot of these guys might fall. Yes. Um, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. It's like Christmas, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, really, though, the only issue I have is – starting at eight o'clock because I got to wait all day and then stay up. And like you said, sit through like 30 minutes of them trying to drum up drama. Oh my God, there's three minutes left on the clock. Why haven't the Jaguars picked Trevor Lawrence? Is there something brewing here? And then they read Trevor Lawrence anyway, and we just wasted 10 minutes of our lives. So those are the things I don't like about it, but we're all going to enjoy it every step of the way anyway. Um, All right. Trivia time. Now I actually got two trivia questions. So do you want your Jets question or do you want a generic NFL draft question? I'll go with the Jets one because I have a Ravens one for you. Uh, and then for just for fun, uh, after I give you your question, I'll take the other one as well. Okay. Funsies. No, it won't All count right. for me if I get it right. All right. You're winning. Uh, I'll give you your question first. Um, let's see. All right. So your question is, the University of Florida has been the most popular choice of school for the New York Jets over the last four years. Right. They have taken four players from the University of Florida. Okay. If you can name three of the four, I'll give it to you. Jabari Zuniga, LaMichael P. Ryan, and Ja'Kai Polite. <laughs> wow. Can you name the fourth guy? Uh, the fourth? Um, I mean, that was like two seconds. Four years, you said? Yeah, last four years. Was Marcus May five? No, it was Marcus May, two thousand seventeen. Okay. Nice and easy. All right. Well, 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 well alrighty then. <laughs> I thought that was a good one too. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if he'll know who this guy. Nope, knew it. Okay. Done. Well, I mean, all right. Zuniga and P Ryan were this past year, so that was easy. Jakai Polite was a bust who's already gone. And then Marcus May is our best player on the defensive side of the ball in the secondary. So that wasn't too bad. Um, well, since I only took 10 seconds before I give you your question, what was the other one anyway? The other one is, do you know the only two teams in the NFL that have had three top that have picked in the top 10 for three straight years, two teams, top 10, three straight years. Mm-hmm. And that includes 10. Uh, not this year, 2018 through 2020. No, no, I mean, but that, but that includes pick number 10. Yes, yes. Okay, the Jets pick. are one of them. Uh, they're not. They picked 11 one of those years. Beckton oh, was 11. Beckton, oh, Beckton was 11. That's right. Mm-hmm. Beckton wasn't 10. Mm-hmm. Um, oof, the Browns suck. It's got to be the Browns. It's not the Browns. Really? See, this was the question. I mean, this yeah, is the one like, I was going to ask you. I mean, look, you. We went, like we said, though, we were, we were going for I our know. team. It was week. a good one, though. It was two, actually, you wouldn't. Well, the Giants are one. Saquon, okay. Daniel Jones, and Andrew Thomas were their three. And then the other team is the Cardinals. Isaiah Simmons, hmm. Kyler Murray, and Josh Rosen was number 10. They traded I do up for think him. I, would have, I do think I would have gotten to the 
this if it were my actual question because I would have done my usual like quick through the divisions thing and uh, and even so you could lop off a lot of teams that you know are good. So it's I think a great I question though That's because question. people would think the Jags, the Jets, the Lions, but Giants, Cardinals. There you go. All right, your question, sir. From the year 2010 to the year 2019, and this is in both of your wheelhouses, Bama and the Ravens. From 2010 to 2019, seven Alabama players drafted by the Ravens. I want you to give me six of them. All right. Marlon? Correct. Bradley Bozeman? Yes. Anthony Averett? Yes. Courtney Upshaw? Correct. Uh, CJ Mosley? Five. And, uh, oh, let's see, let's see. They didn't get any receivers from Bama. They didn't get any tight ends. Ingram, they didn't draft. Uh, it's got to be more defense. D-line. Oh, Terrence Cody. Terrence Cody. And then and the their last one, seventh guy get it. was. Uh, it's the worst of all of them. Yeah. Was it another corner? Marlon, Averitt. Well, you got it already, so... Yeah. Uh, was it, who was it? Was it another... Oh, Tim Williams. Tim Williams. Tim yeah, so the worst of the bunch. That's why I went... True. I, I knew you... Pretty much knew you'd get the first five. It was just a matter of pulling either Tim Williams... God, Tim Williams is a great college player, and too. Terrence Cody was all the way back there in 2010, so I wasn't sure if you would mix up the year, maybe. But, hey, look at that. We both dominate our Ravens-Jets one. Kind of well a done. for both of us this week, because this is both of our... Both of our best things, our teams and the NFL draft. So we, we were both likely to get it this week. That was good. There you go. Well, well done, Joe. You're up 1917 now in trivia. So well All done. All right. Thanks All right. again well, to uh, Cole for joining us. Cole was great. Next week, we recap it all. This week, we preview it. Next week, we recap it all. That's that all. That we do. That <laughs> we do. Uh, the recap's almost as fun as the uh, as the preview. Uh, because there's, we know there's going to be so much oh, craziness so that much. happens. Uh, Always is. Whether it's my scenarios that I paint, pointed out, whether it's yours or the Steelers or something moving up, there's always going to be something, if not multiple things, that leave people talking for like a week. And that's why we do the show next week and talk about it all. That's true. Look, I mean, football is king. The NFL draft is going to get more viewers than the World Series, the NBA Ooh. Finals, the Stanley Cups, the way it is. So should be a lot of fun. Till right. next week, see you then. First episode of May.